This is episode 80 of The Ship's Podcast with Anya Pechko. Welcome to Ships. My name is Pat McAndrew, and I am a professional actor, speaker, and coach. In every episode, we discuss a message related to the most important vessels in our lives. Thanks for being here today. Now let's set sail. Welcome to today's episode of Ships. I hope you are coming to this episode excited, you're having a wonderful day, or perhaps if you're not having a wonderful day so far, I can guarantee that this episode is going to make you better. We have an amazing guest joining us today. Her name is Anya Pechko. Anya Pechko is a digital wellness coach from New York and founder of Project B, an organization that raises awareness about the growing dangers of media and digital attachment. Growing up in the Soviet Union, Anya has a unique perspective on how technology and culture is changing our lives and relationships in harmful and destructive ways. She is the creator of the Digital Wellness for Families course, an eight-week online program designed to teach parents and families how to live more authentic and connected lives by spending less time with technology. It will be available in early 2020, so stay tuned. You can follow her work on Twitter and Instagram. So like I said, this is going to be an incredible episode with Anya. We talk about a lot of important topics in this episode. We talk about how nowadays in society, connection is very much a luxury and that we need to recreate a lifestyle that is working for us. We are looking for entertainment outside of ourselves. We talk about how Back in the day before technology had such an impact on our lives, we found our entertainment from each other and from within ourselves, and we are losing that sense. We also talk about the anxiety that is overbearing for Generation Z. We talk about the dangers of digital addiction. We talk about creating an image of non-reality on social media, and we discuss the importance of of raising awareness, and the importance of being kind to yourself. That is just a gloss over what we discuss in this episode. I'm very excited for you all to listen to this one. If you think it might resonate with a friend, please share it. This is a really important message that Anya and myself, as well as many others, are trying to get out there. So if you think this episode will really resonate with someone, feel free to share it. All right, I am going to stop talking now, and I will introduce you to our amazing guest, Anya Pechko. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ships Podcast. Today, our guest is Anya Pechko. Anya, thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning. 
I am so excited to dive into this conversation. You and I got connected, I guess it was just last month, and we had a phone conversation, and I'm really inspired by the work that you're doing with Project B, and really your passion for digital wellness, and really the importance of socializing and building meaningful connections in today's digital age. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So I'm wondering if you could just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Maybe where are you from and what led you on the path that you're now pursuing today? So um, before I begin and tell you a little bit about myself, I just want to say how great this is because I'm looking at you right now. We're recording the podcast in my loft in uh, Chelsea. And so this is why I started doing this because we're able to look at each other and feel the energy and feed off of each other's thoughts and attitude and kind of, which is, um, which is I think becoming a, a luxury of sorts in our community, in our country, in our world. So um, I am originally from St. Petersburg, Russia. I came here when I was 12. I came here in 1988, so right before communism fell. And I grew up in a system that was really tech-free. And um, so up until the age of 12, I had no access to technology. And so what I grew up in a way which we now call free-range upbringing. Um, so about maybe a year and a half ago to two years ago, I was um, doing some work for an organization called Free Range Kids, which is ran by Lenore Skinazi and Jonathan Haidt, who's an NYU ethics professor. And they talk about the importance of letting children be independent and how it affects them in their life as they get older. And so by doing some work uh, for them and kind of understanding some statistics, I started seeing the uptick in um, self-harm, in opiate crisis, and in mental illness. And so w when I started looking into why, why um, that is, some of the things that kept on popping up is tech, um, how we use tech, what it means to us, and what it has replaced. When I launched Project B, Project B uh, was created because of a personal tragedy I experienced. Um, I lost a lot, you know, I lost my family and my, a lot of my life. And so before that, I lived a life which was perfect on Instagram. And overnight, it all became a lie. And so I realized that a lot of us live in these worlds, um, in these states that just aren't real. Right. So I wanted to launch my project to reiterate how important human connection is, how important human honesty is, and that we live in a world which isn't um, capable of that today. And so that's why I think we, you know, we're suffering. I think the world is broken. I think we're um, missing human support, connection, accountability, compassion, friendliness that we we have had since the inception of mankind. Um, so as I launched the project, I started reaching out to people that are in a similar space. In the last year and a half, this space has blown up in ways that I've never seen. Yeah, it's amazing. 
it is amazing. Um, by 2030, they say digital addiction coaches is going to be one of the top professions because the addiction is so serious. Um, it, 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 technology manipulates our attention. It, it takes out dopamine, which is a very powerful pleasure neurotransmitter, and basically hijacks it. It, it's, it's really bad for adults. It is incredibly lethal for kids. Um, the brain isn't totally mature till 25, which is very interesting because I didn't realize the correlation between drinking age. I never understood why it's 21. Well, now I do. Your frontal cortex that is thin and it doesn't really become thick till you're 25. So that's why they don't want you drinking at 16 or 17. The way you absorb liquor is very different at a young age. So it's the same thing with technology. The way dopamine uh, is released and the way it affects the brain is very different for children versus full grown adults. So um, at first, my interest was to launch a certification for coaches. And um, I connected with a um, bunch of people in the industry who I think are kind of leaders in it. One of them is Dr. David Greenfield. He's out in, in Hartford, Connecticut. Right. Um, another uh, doctor I spoke to was Dr. Nicholas Carderas, who also does some research um, in this space. He wrote the book, Digital Heroin. And he's been talking about this for quite some time, same as Dr. Greenfield. Dr. Kimberly Young was one of the first people to pioneer this space, but unfortunately she died of cancer last year. She was in her 50s. Um, the more research I did, the more I kind of realized that I really wanted to go to the user um, to connect to people that are using the technology, and then I really wanted to help kids. Um, because I don't have a direct connection to kids, I figured that my direct connection should be through parents and individuals. And what I, how I think of the work I do is I literally help people gain their time back. Um, so that's really important work too. It's incredible yeah. because, you know, time is the most precious commodity that we have and, and I don't think we really realize it. Um, I spent a couple of years at Sloan Kettering as a volunteer helping women go through cancer treatment and hospice which literally changed my entire existence but one of the things that changed is my relationship with time. I'm incredibly time conscious so um, I realized how little of it we have and how important it is and, and I think how important it is what we do with our time so and Ad, Adam Alter in his book Irresistible talks about um, statistics and the statistics are pretty um, insane on average we lose about 11 years oh my gosh out of our lifetime really just on, through through consuming technology, technology specifically or? email texting social media Twitter LinkedIn however, wow 11 years 11 years so, so it's the same thing if I gave you a phone right now and just said, see ya. Yeah. Don't yeah. 10 years, 11 years. Wow. So it's pretty insane. Um, I think what, I think this resonates with parents a lot because I think they see what is happening to their children. I also think this resonates with people as we begin to do the work so the way I, you know, the way I've kind of been engaging is literally 
um, help you know helping people recreate their lifestyle. You just you have to rebuild the way you engage with the world. So um, it's it's really living life uh, simpler and better and more meaningful. Um, it's it's cooking versus ordering seamless. It's you know it's so so some of the things that I've encountered have been phenomenal. You know most people if you ask them about exercising they say ah oh, I wish I just don't have the time and I always like well. An average person spends five to six hours a day, and these are very small numbers. These are conservative numbers. I don't, you know. So we all know what we use because you could tell on your phone. Yeah. So if you're spending four to five hours a day on your phone, you can definitely find twenty minutes to half an hour in exercise. The same thing goes for meals. Um, a lot of people I work with just don't know kind of what to do if they're not on their phones. So I think cooking becomes one of those things. You, you nurture yourself through food, not through seamless, not through Uber food, uh, but through actually making a list of groceries, going to the store, buying the food, bringing it home, washing it, cutting it, cleaning it, cooking it, eating it. You know, it's a process, which is what life used to be. Yes. Now you can order dinner, and I've done this just to check. Uh, you can order and have dinner you can order, have it delivered, and be done with dinner in less than, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Wow. Right? So some of these things in which we used to be are just now kind of obsolete. There's this point that you made before, too, talking about simplicity. And this is a topic that I'm really, really pushing for in my own life, but also just in general, because I think exactly what you mentioned, I think there's this simplicity in life that is being lost in a lot of ways because of our ease or our excessive use to technology. We have so much information coming at us from a wide variety of different places that exactly like what you said, there's this simplicity that's lost. Well, I mean, what we have done we used to look for entertainment to each other and to ourselves. Daydreaming, being bored, being creative, um, being lost in space, daydreaming, all of that was, was and is a way in which we entertain ourselves. Going out to dinner with friends, catching up for brunch, uh, calling up a friend and saying, how are you? Or doing all of, so we used to depend on each other for entertainment. And that was very simple. Um, you and I would make plans on Thursday night. You would invite a few of my friends, me invite some of my friends, and they're, that's it. We order pizza and it's done. Now, because we have, now because we have chosen technology, to use, to use technology as a source of entertainment, it's almost as if our own entertainment system is, an, is, is broken, right? So we outsource it now. So simple things which used to be meaningful are now these really complex ways in which we, we're trying to adjust and it just doesn't work. And I'll give you an example. And this is something that I have created in my own personal life. So I have done a lot of, um, I myself, 
you know, I could say I, I'm still attached to my phone, not at all like I used to because I virtually don't have any apps anymore. But some of the ways in which I change my lifestyle has been the following. First of all, I try not to text my friends during the week at all. Um, if anything, I ask people to please call me. I'm, if my phone is on, I will always pick it up. And if I'm busy, I will always say, listen, I'm, I'm busy right now. Can I call you back? But most mostly my phone is turned off during the day. I do make plans with my friends in person weekly so when we catch up it's so much fun and it's so meaningful as opposed to these stupid texts hey how are you i'm good how are you great <laughs> right like, that, yeah you know it's like that's not a it's problem. not transactional when you meet in person or at least hopefully it's not it, it's not because it's literally how was your week what did you do what are your plans oh my you're kidding me wow no and you and you have these it's an emotion that you feel, right? Like right now, while looking at each other, we're both getting oxytocin. It's, you, you can't get that um, from FaceTime, you know, as they call it. And so the simple things of, that I do that I think are really big is my dog, for one. Um, I think I wrote it in, in, a, in a blog. So I have an 11-year-old dog. She's a skittish greyhound. And she had really hard time walking in the street in New York City for her entire life. About six, seven months ago, whenever I started to, to figuring out how to use my phone properly, I said, you know, I'll start by taking a walk with her and leaving the phone at home. It, we're literally all our problem of dogs. They say it takes 21 days to change a habit. So within 21 days, I realized that I would come home after a meeting and automatically, without even thinking, take my phone out and put it on a table because it wasn't coming with me anymore. But the most profound change that I saw was in my dog. She became a different animal. And so for all these years, God forgive me, for the last 10 years, she was vying for my attention because when she was scared, she would look at me. Wow. But I was on my phone. And I don't even know what I was doing because sometimes I take her for walks at 6.30 in the morning and I don't even know anybody that's up then. But I would just somehow be somewhere, whether I was checking an email or I was reading New York Post or I was checking Instagram. And so now I have a different dog. And so I started realizing if an animal feels my attention to her. Now, I, this is profound. So if I'm on the couch with her and she's sitting with me and it's all fine, we're together. As soon as I pick up my phone, she will get off the couch. Really? Yes. Wow. So she knows that that competes for her attention. Huh. So, and dogs aren't afraid to hide that no. either. But so do kids. Kids also know. You know, there's a lot of these studies which have been done, which are so interesting. When the mother feeds a baby, the baby looks into the eyes. So it's biology. You know, we follow people's eyes, to, you know, eyes are the windows, windows to the soul to see what they express, what are they feeling? You know, what, what is going on? Is what I'm saying interesting or not? Are you bored to tears? So if we take that out of, um, out of the equation, you're not having this true interaction. Our interactions are now off. And we can see that by what's going on right now as far as people needing consent to be touched, to be hugged. Somebody, you know, we're now going around and kind of saying, you know, kids don't have to hug their aunts or anybody else, really, or grandpa if they don't feel comfortable to, which is insane. Yeah. Right? Huh. Kids should hug everybody, especially grandpa and aunts, and we should have physical contact. We need that. So, we, so we're now 
you know, crossing into a space where the younger generation, Generation Z, is having tremendous anxieties with, um, they have social anxiety, they have public speaking anxiety, they have anxiety meeting people in real life, they, they're having less sex, they're having boyfriend and girlfriends online whom they've never met. They, you know, it's also, granted, when I was a kid, when I came to America, you know, I remember seeing Batman with um, Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton. You know, that movie was playing in a movie theater. And so we went to movie theaters, and then we wanted to get pizza, and then we would get pizza afterwards. You can now stream almost everything on Netflix. There are 100 delivery apps that you can get food from. If you live in New York City, you can, li- you can basically live in your chair in your apartment. Um, it's wild. It is wild. And, and I'm, you know, it's, um, it, it's been really kind of hard to process. I was a very big fan of Steve Jobs. And um, a couple of months ago, I uploaded my uh, operating system to Catalina. So I'm sitting at home and this pop-up pops up and the computer says, would you like to update to Catalina? And I was just like, oh my God, that is such a beautiful name. Catalina, yes, I want to, (laughs) uh, yes. Right, it's not asking me, do you want to update to Broomhilda? (laughs) It's asking me, and so I was like, oh my God, I want to be Catalina. I just, that is so beautiful. So I update my desktop. And once it updated, it said, do you want to take a look, you know, what we offer? And I, I said, yes, I want to know what Catalina offers. And so it talked about the new podcast system, the new music system, the new photo uh, option system, the new recording system, the new calculating system. The, you can literally, you don't have to leave your computer anymore. Oh, and at the end of it, at the end of all these things that the new system now offers in very small print, it says, oh, and don't forget to move and go outside and spend time with your family. <laughs> right? So, wow. Huh. So as much as I want to, and, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I think technology has done a lot of great things for mankind. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of positives for sure. And we all know them and, and God bless that. Yeah. But we also have to understand the impact that technology has created on us as a human species. And in that sense, I think it has created a space where we're now seeing kids um, hurting themselves. Um, we're now seeing incredible, you know, the, the reports on loneliness, not only in America, but throughout the world. For example, Great Britain are just, they're, they're devastating. Um, and they keep going up too. They keep going up. And they will keep going up until we are able to balance our relationship with, with technology. And so, w- w- you know, when I talk about this, I consider myself a recovery coach. I think that digital attachment or digital addiction is the same thing as sex and food addiction. I think it's a very real addiction. And I think that the best way to address it is um, through modified use versus alcohol and drugs, you really want to go the abstinence route. You know, you can't be a little bit of an alcoholic, but we can't not have our phones. I think it's unrealistic, nor nor do we want to do that. 
I was actually, um, so I don't have an Instagram app, but I have to have Instagram for my project. <laughs> so <laughs> It's um, all the catch 22, yeah. Right. Well, so, so my friends see me sometimes. I have to access the Instagram through the browser. And, you know, my friends are like, you're so, that is so crazy. You're like grandma. And so I'm like, you know, this works great for me. It's like, I just, but one of the things I thought about yesterday, you asked me what my, you know, so for me, Instagram has been a digital diary, my personal Instagram. You know, it has about almost like 10 years of life that I've lived. Um, and so... What do I do with that? I don't post now like I used to, right? Nobody's interested in my food porn anymore. And nobody, <laughs> like, it was popular seven years ago, but we're over yeah. it. I don't need to see your sausage in the morning or breakfast and eggs or your kale <laughs> salad. It's like, I don't, I'm not, I don't care. Right, right. Um, and so I realized that it's really finding balance and building boundaries around your use. And, um, so if it's, you know, if you want to check Instagram in the morning at night, if you want to check it once a, a week on Saturday morning, once a month, if you don't have to, but if it becomes something that you check every 10, 15 minutes, every hour, it's an addiction. So I think it's how we use the technology and what we use it for. So um, weather apps, podcast apps, Audible, are all very positive um, applications that you can use and feel good after. Instagram, uh, Amazon, mass consumerism news, um, all of that is really negative. And, and I don't, you know, it's, it's just not a, it, it's not a real picture of pretty much anything. Um, there is a big movement right now for, especially for the younger, for 20 something as they call them influencers they're trying to use instagram to spread messages and awareness versus uh showcasing their bl hashtag blessed life right right you know i think it has created a really false narrative um life is really hard and we're not all blessed um and we're not blessed all the time right it's you know yeah i'm wondering if we could dive into this a little bit more i'd love to hear your thoughts on to go off what you just mentioned, I, I find, especially on Instagram, nowadays there's a lot of messages out there about positivity, about working towards your dreams, and uh, at least it seems like a lot of joy through Instagram. But sometimes, sometimes I always wonder, like, oh, is it authentic or is it really just a branding message to put things out in that way? What, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, let me ask you a question. If you are really enjoying yourself at any moment and you're happy and you're really truly in a moment, are you going to stop that, go to your backpack? Uh, you know, excuse me, let me just stop all the fun. You know, go to your backpack, <laughs> open it, get your phone out, film it, hashtag it, post it put the phone away and then come back and say, resume. Right. Right. So, so I always wonder, um, you know, if you're having that much fun, if it's really true fun, if it's really, because true contentment, true happiness is very satisfying. And one would argue that if you're really feeling that, that it's enough. So if you're really feeling great, and I guess what, you want to share that with the world? Um, but then my question is, 
do you ever feel bad? And if, and if you do, why not share that with the world? Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I lived in a, I split my time between the suburbs and the city for a few years. And a lot of the people in the suburban community were really unhappy. Um, and, I, and I saw it. But if you look at their Instagram, oh my God, they're just like living the life. Huh. But nobody talks about the 2 a.m. fights or kids that are sick or problems that somebody has because they lost a job and they don't know if they can afford to live with they, right? So, you know, nobody discusses those things. I think it is starting to be more acceptable, but, you know, everybody wants happiness. Every, you know, our world is right now set on this very inarticulate, very unfair description of being happy all the time. It's, it's virtually... You know, in Russia, in Russian, we say idiots are happy all the time, <laughs> right? Because yeah. if, if, if you're a human being that is part of the world, sometimes your life is really great and sometimes it's not so great. But on social media, we often just, often just seem to put our best foot forward, right? It's like the makeup, the dress and, and the posing. And so, um, you know, that's another thing. Um, I, I've, I've kind of been around, you know, the, the topic of dating has been very interesting with um, apps. In the last six to seven years, they've come out these apps which, which can alter the way you look. So uh, women mostly, you know, digitally alter their pictures. And wow. nobody ever shows up looking as good as the altered picture. It just doesn't happen. So that right there creates a huge trust issue. I also think people um, who, you know, if, if you're living your life off of Instagram, it's, it, it just can't be a real life. Um, so that's, you know, that's my opinion. It's a billion dollar product. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Um, I don't think kids should be on Instagram. I think it affects children in a really negative way, especially girls. These are all statistics. These are not my opinions. Um, the bullying, the cattiness. There's, I don't know, do you know about Finsta versus Instagram? Finsta? Fin yeah. I don't think so, no. I don't think I've heard so of this. It's a hidden, it's, it's another version of Instagram where Instagram is for the world. Finsta is for your friends. So there you can put a little bit more real content. Interesting. Yeah, but, you know, so you have these young people that are, um, working on constantly curating this image of non-reality. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, so, so think huh. about it. So before you would go outside and have these real interactions and we would ride our bikes and I would fall and I would cry and you run up and help me and say, are you okay? And I would say, I'm not okay. You know, I, I cut myself and please help me. And you would help me up and you would help me get my bike home and we would come home and my parents would say what happened and then you you know you have this experience together and I'm like oh my god you really helped me and you're my friend and I trust you now all of these simple interactions I mean I, I could go on and on with examples you know I was in a train a couple of weeks ago and I was sitting down when I swear to you this 107 year old woman walked in <laughs> it, it took her a stop like a, it was you know it took her like five minutes to get onto the train so I got up and I said please sit down and she said nobody offers me seats anymore and I just thought about it and I was like she's so crazy of course people would offer her seats and then I looked up 
And, you know, I'm sure people would have offered her seats, but everyone was on the phone. You know, I have a picture of it, of train, of, of, of cart full of, you know, full of young people with their heads down looking at their phones. So they're unable to see anything around them. Yeah. So, you know, I also used to, you know, I had my dog, you know, my dog is 12. My other Lucia was 17. I've been a dog owner in the city for a long time. I used to walk the blocks and know every dog owner in the city, uh, uh, you know, within three to four block radius. I don't know anyone now because they're all on their phones. They don't make any eye contact. So you don't really, you don't say hello to anybody. Wow. So, you know, it's these very small things that have changed a very big, I don't, it, 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 changed, it changed how we function on a very basic human level. And so I think we're function um, more like robots now. How much responsibility do you believe is on the individual versus on the big tech companies who are creating these apps and programs that are engineered to keep our attention as much as possible? I mean, you know, it's, you, you can't fight big tech and they, you know, they're using um, our own, they're mining our brain for time and data. And, and you know, so it's, it's virtually impossible not to get sucked into it. It's just, you know, it's, it's a drug and, and it's an addiction. So I think it's, you know, tech is tech. They want us to buy, you know, so, so there's this whole concept, I think, what tech is really telling us is that you are not enough and you need to have access to this. And so huh. once you hear that message, um, you're not enough. It's there, right? And, and if I told you that you were enough, you'd stop buying shit. And, you know, nobody's interested in you not buying shit. So we're kind of living this space with false promises. You know, Apple just came up with Catalina. It didn't name the product anything else but this very sexy, very enticing, very beautiful name. I mean, I want to live live on Catalina, right? And, yeah. and so, so it's manipulation. As far as personal responsibility, you know, like if I put a sixteen tier chocolate cake in front of you right now, <laughs> whose responsibility? You know, is it my fault or your fault? Yeah, that good you, point. Good point. Right? So it, it's hard. So I think we. Um, we should be able to regulate our use, but you know, we can't. So my only hope is that I can affect, um, first of all, what I really, what I'm aiming at doing is raising awareness. That has been my biggest strength and a very, um, powerful tool because people I come in contact with who ask me what I do, um, and most, you know, now I think people are more like, oh my God, yeah, I know it. Six months ago, the, the response of digital, what? Who? Oh my God, no, no. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So now it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hitting home more so it did before. But what, the most feedback I get is that even by talking to me, people start seeing things that not in a different way than they used to. And that's how change is created. So... You know, somebody asked me the other day, well, you recommend I do five or six of these things, but do they really work? Well, you know, here's the answer. Five or six of those things at five or 10 minutes of not phone, that equals to an hour a day. 
So if we're talking about start, you know, this is just very conservative. So our day, I give you back seven hours a week. Over a month, you know, it's 30 hours a month, right? So that's over a day that you get. That's you huge. Do, it is huge. So when, when you start thinking about it in that way, I think then it becomes very interesting and um, very possible. I also entice people to um, look at this in, in, as a competitive um, exercise. It's a, I, I, I engage families to work on this together. This is why I never recommend that a parent kind of takes a stand and tries to do them themselves because I think then they become the enemy of the family. I think you do need an outside um, source that can help you as an individual and then you can implement that on a familial level. Um, and then I think people physically start feeling the difference. That is the most profound effect of what I do and what I see in people is that they, first of all, a lot of people pick up hobbies that they didn't know A, they wanted to do or B, that they could do. Um, we, we know that children mimic their parents so it just becomes really important so to the extent that you have a really negative behavior your child is going to pick it up and it's much easier to teach children a better more mindful way to live from when they're young versus trying to help them become m more social when they're 14 because at that point it's virtually impossible so one of the things that Dr. Greenfield works on is this light therapy. So he sees patients, um, mostly teenagers, that are game addicts. And so we're talking about 13, 14, 15 hour days where they're just playing games. Wow. What happens is your eyes, because you're staring at the screen like this, the back of your eyes atrophies and you're not able to move your eyes in the same way. So your eyes dart like this, as if you're playing a video game. And so what he does is it's this therapy that you follow like this. And so it strengthens, and you know, you have to do this for hours every day to retrain your eye muscles. Wow. So you would want to come to me before you go see. Dr. Greenfield, if you are at that point, if you are at that level, yeah. um, it's it, it, it's pretty bad because at that point you're not. It's very it's it, it's challenging to integrate back into the world, um, especially for kids that are not um, learning social etiquette. You know how we get along. You know we now need. You know I always tell to people, if I don't want you to touch me, you'll know. You'll know it by my body language. You'll know it by my attitude. And so, but kids don't today. They don't know how to read each other's body language. So, which is really important. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's how we learn as kids. We, we, we physically, we learn boundaries. We touch things because we know that they can hurt us touching gas and stove and dogs, right? That's what they say to kids. No, you have to ask. It's so... To the extent that we've outsourced humanity to technology, where that is now broken. And so I'm trying to repair it. And I'm trying to repair it by helping people to reconnect with themselves. 
to use themselves and those they love as entertainment, to play board games, to do communal dinners, to do movie nights, to do chores, to do... There's just so much of life um, that you can engage in and which, you know, it's measurable. It's measurable happiness. And so that's kind of been my goal overall is, um, you know, uh, bring awareness and then help with some of the cognitive behavioral um, attachments, which then changes your lifestyle and you just function better as a human being. Yeah, it's figuring out these ways, I think, to go back to our roots and work with things or each other in a tangible way. Yeah. Because there's nothing, at least in my opinion, about social media or technology or smartphones really that is tangible. There's nothing that you can build, whether it be a, a friendship or relationship. Like really, yeah, I guess you can make those initial contacts online, but it's not until you meet each other in person where you're able to really start to build a genuine friendship or relationship or, or doing something like chores or going to the movies. Like there's, there's something about that that's very tangible. It's, 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 what, it's what makes us human. We're not an I. So I had, I had two clients which were kind of at the same time but not, and I, find, I found this fascinating. Uh, they're both moms. They both, both live in Midwest. They don't know each other. One of them has gaming issues. So I asked her what the game is that she plays, and she said solitaire. And so um, she said, do you know it? And I said, no, I, I don't know it. I don't know what that game is. And so she was trying to explain it to me and while she was explaining to me, I was really trying very hard to understand, but all I kept on thinking is I know that word. So I said to her, when, solitary, it's like, is that like solitary confinement, right? Because this is my second language. And she said, yes. And I said, you know, I think it's so crazy because solitary confinement is the worst punishment for men. So I said to her, so you're, you're physically punishing yourself in these games every night for an hour and a half. Why? And she, she said, oh, my God, I've never thought about it that way. So about two weeks later, I have a, another client, completely different woman, and she said, I have a problem. And I said, what's the problem? She said, I play this game a lot. And I said, what's the game? And she said, solitaire. Wow. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to try this again. <laughs> and I said, what is solitaire? <laughs> and she was trying to explain it to me. And I did exactly the same bit. And she had exactly, right? Because we're all Pavlov dog. Yeah, right, right. And she had exactly the same reaction. So wow. It's, right? So it's just that. It's not like, give me your phone and you're never going to see it. And this doesn't work. It's not. It's just, it's pivoting. It's just these tiny pivots versus... 180 degree turns it's it's you know to the extent that you know the world now talks about wellness it's a very big word and so i believe by 2025 the wellness market is going to hit a 4.2 trillion dollar mark wow right so it's a we all want wellness and wellness is you know it's a very big um arch that covers very, very many topics. So it's food, it's um, exercise, it's mental health, it's your well-being. And so I think 
if, if we talk about wellness, I would think that your mind has to be at the top of that list. And so that's kind of where I'm going with this. This is where I want to be. Um, one of the other things that I think is very important that is also getting a lot of um, attention now is sleep. Sleep is the most important thing a human do can do for their well-being, which I didn't know. I thought that, or at least I didn't know in my 20s, I thought that I could just catch up on sleep, but you can't. Your brain, when, when you sleep, your brain regenerates itself. So now, because of our phones, our sleep has been very much impacted, especially in young children. Um, it's the blue light, it's the notifications, it's the in the middle of the night, let me check, I have to go to the bathroom, let me check my texts, right? It's, so all of that stuff has impaired the way we function, the way we rest. And so one of the important things now, I think, is just this general overall well-being that one has to pay attention to. And so having a proper relationship with technology and also people is a very big part of it. So this is very different than our phone call, right? It just yeah. it feels different. I could see by your body language, what works, what doesn't, although everything works so, apparently so far. It's, just, <laughs> it's a different experience. It's, you know, and that's what makes us human. Yes. Right? It's, it's, you know, we're tribal. We're not, you know, we're not animals that made and live alone. So I, you know, what I do, I'm, I'm you know, like, it's, you know, so we met through the Digital Wellness Collective. And so there's a bunch of us right now in this space. I'm trying to build, um, so I want to build an agency out of my platform. I want to own the space of digital wellness and also boredom, which I think is one of the most important skills that we can reintroduce into our life. I think that that's amazing, by the way. I think that nowadays with really, we don't know how to be bored anymore. And it's fascinating to think that oh, okay, we need to relearn how to be bored because we're now discovering, and there's plenty of research to show this, how important being bored is to our development, to our creativity, to our happiness. And so I, I think that's absolutely fascinating that boredom is becoming really this big topic that is super important to discuss. It is super important. I think... I think creativity and ability to daydream works incredibly to sharpen our critical and cognitive skills because it's, it's then that you use your own mind to create, which is the entertainment that you used to use, that we used to use. That's how the world, by the way, has evolved, right? The, the Greek mythology, some of the greatest thinkers, philosophers, psychology, they use their mind to process thought and have these incredible debates and have disagreements, not arguments, not fights, but disagreements where you're like, wow, my opinion is so different than yours. We must have had such a different experience. Tell me about this. This is fascinating. That doesn't happen anymore. Now we're like, what? You're an idiot. I, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Unfriend. And so I think, I also think the word boredom has been given a very negative connotation. And it's just really not true. So that's another thing we have to be careful with. We have to be careful with 
understanding the language that the tech companies are trying to feed us. FaceTime, this is FaceTime. Right now, you and I are doing FaceTime because your face and my face are looking at each other, right? When I'm on a computer looking through a screen, that's not FaceTime, that's me looking through a computer screen. But we now think it is space, hmm. right? Instagram is not a social platform. It's a stalking app, which is fine. But what you're doing is you're looking through somebody else's pictures. Nothing to do with social, but we think it's part of social media, right? Right. So we're given, so now, oh God, you're bored, you know, this is boring. What does that mean? Because that's not what the word, that's not at all. So, so tech is changing the language in a lot of ways. Right, and it works, right? Because our brain is so susceptible to just, you just need a little, you just need a drop of something. Like if I say to you, oh wow, the sun is coming out. You're like, is it? it it's not. But if I said it, you just, so that's the thing. That's where I think it's also important to start realizing how much, we have so much control over our mind and to just really start listening to it and so when I talk about boredom, I talk, it, it's, more of, it's more of having these moments and minutes where you're okay being with yourself and in silence. It's not sitting alone for three hours in a dark room without any, uh, anything to anyone to speak to or anything to look at. That's not at all um, what boredom is. It's walking and being lost in thought so one of the things that I realized that happens when I go w w walk my dog without my phone, at first it was really hard for me, so I started counting steps. And what I realized, I trail off on like step 76. I'm lost in thought. And so you're, you're it's, it's almost you're manufacturing, you're, re, re, you're regenerating your own ability to entertain and self-soothe. Yes. Right, and so when I was little, so this is where my upbringing is just so important. I'm 43, but if I tell, tell you, and I'm from St. Petersburg, I'm from a very cosmopolitan city. I used to listen to records when I was a kid. You know, I used to listen to kids' stories on records. Um, communism had two state channels and none of it was kids' programming. So we, and we didn't have toys, uh, we didn't have video games. We were played outside a lot winters in Russia were brutal and there was a lot of snow so sometimes our parents would let us play out all night building snowmen and building these hills that we would then douse with water imagine how many times I had to run upstairs to the seventh floor <laughs> with a bucket this big trying to get water to but ice. it was probably so worth it oh, right my, <laughs> my mother would say are you cold and I would be like <laughs> my lips would be blue so it was just this really physical. We had bikes in the summertime. Um, and when we would tell, there's a saying in Russian, when you, would, when you tell somebody, when you tell an adult, I'm bored, they say, why don't you ram your head against the wall? It's, it's an actual, <laughs> it just wasn't a, a, an option. It's just, we, right. you know? Um, so I'm, I'm by far not a boring person at all, but I love... Um, I love doing nothing. Yes. I, I think that's so important too. Yeah. That's actually something I've been trying to do myself as well is just take time to either go on a walk by myself, no, no phone, or just even sit and think. 
But I don't know. I don't like there's probably only a handful of people who do that. Once you do it, you know, here's the thing. I think we're all so interesting and we all have such unique experiences and upbringing and education and goals and aspirations and anger and sadness and happiness. And, and it's all so unique and it's within all of us. And I think we've forgotten how to look within and how to be enough. It's because I think we feel genuinely very uncomfortable being in silence. So, you know, I ask, so I've noticed this the other day. So I just read an article on the importance of silence. The Finns are all over this. And I realized that most of the time when I work here, it's silent. Because um, I love music, but music and working for me is very hard because I write a lot. Um, and it just, you know, so it's silent. And, and once you hear it you start hearing things and a lot of it is you and so that's the most important thing i think you know i think digital attachment is not a straight up um i don't know if you want to call it condition or affliction it's a symptom of something else it's yes. being uncomfortable where you know i see it a lot in restaurants and coffee shops because now I don't, I don't have my... So one of the things, another thing I think it's really rude when you are... Oh, I'm sorry, what? You know, so I'm a fucking human being. And when you talk to me, I expect you to just pay attention to me. So when I go to order coffee, my phone is never around. I'm just like, hey, good morning. Can I get a coffee, et cetera, et cetera. And so then I sit there and I watch. I love to people watch. I've always have. I think it's an incredible, boring quality, especially in New York City. And so what I notice now, people just, it's so stupid because when iPhones first came out, I could totally see, oh, look, he's got an iPhone. He's so cool. But everybody now has an iPhone. You don't need to take it out when you're waiting for a coffee. You can just stand there. I know you're not checking anything important. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. If you had some important stuff going on, presumably you're not getting coffee. You're working. Right, right. But people, so it's just inability to just be. So again, I'm doing this and you know, so when I go food shopping, I also don't have my phone anymore. And people are like, how do you make lists? Um, I have a pen and a paper. Yes. And I have a shopping list. And so now I engage and harass people in line because I go to Trader Joe's a lot. I love Trader Joe's. It's amazing. And so I see there are people like me. There are people standing in line and sometimes that line can be like 15, 20 minutes. And so before I used to read the ingredients on food that I'm buying, but that, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to eat again. <laughs> so I just stand there, you know? So it's, you know, so it's not, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just getting back to, and, and another thing, so all of these things are measured and the way you measure them is literally how you feel afterwards. So when you take a cooking book, and you pick a recipe out of it and you write it down and you go to the store and you always have an experience at the store because you're disconnected whether it's somebody who's bagging your bag or somebody in line or i forget something do you mind watching my card you're having a connection that is really powerful you feel it you come home you unpack the groceries you start cleaning you have fresh apples you have french oranges and you're like oh my god i love myself right because f making food 
is nourishing. It's nourishment. It's one of the first things that mankind ever did to bond together. And so you start doing these little things that are lovely. One of the things I did the other day, I was at a party and this chef was a fruitarian. He made a 15 course fruit dinner. You know, we ate it off like little spoons. It wasn't a big plate. Yeah. I, I called my mother and I said, mom, I am a fruitarian now. The next morning I wanted to make a fruit salad. I only had a banana and like an old kiwi. But you know what? <laughs> I sliced it and I put a little mint on it and it took, I don't know, three and a half minutes. You're probably the 20th person I'm, I'm telling this story to. It made me feel so good. Just cutting up a banana and a kiwi, right? So it's these, it's these little things that end up to add, they add up to number of hours that you're not spending on the phone now. And then you spread that. I think there's this interesting, uh, what's the word, maybe dichotomy where people, they're all about efficiency and trying to be very productive. And so, you know, they're the people who might be on their email in line at the grocery store or at the coffee shop, and they're trying to get things done, get done, things done, 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 done. And I think the interesting thing about that is that when you actually do the opposite and do in a lot of ways what you're, you were just speaking of, of, of taking time for boredom, taking time for silence, taking time to people watch to just sit there and then taking time for yourself, making your, yourself a little fruit salad, even if it is just banana and kiwi and mint. It's doing those kind of things that then enhance your productivity dramatically when you are sitting down and working. And so I always think that's it, especially in our digital age today, that that is such an interesting contrast. Well, because you know what you're talking about is you were saying that and you listed all these things. The one thing that pops into my head is kindness. When you do those things, you're kind to yourself. And when you're able to be kind to yourself, that is the only time you're going to be able to be kind to the world. Yes. And so we yes. live in the world now. We're like, we're shivering. Why is everybody not nice? Where's this? Well, we're not nice to ourselves to the extent that you put yourself to sleep uh, with the phone and you wake up with the phone and in the middle of the night you check your emails that's just not a nourishing way and so if you're not important how can anybody else be important outside of you and another thing i want to mention to your point about having this consistent need to instantly be available and accessible and oh my god and i got an email i have to answer that's another thing that i've seen in the last maybe six months people you including people are not responding to emails within minutes so and i love that right? yeah so unless it's an emergency which at that point i'm going to call you i don't need to write you an email um, i'm just going to call and say oh, it's an emergency people are like you know what whatever i'll get back and i i love that but it's, this is also very cultural. As I was telling you earlier, um, I just watched Mad Men again. <laughs> and um, they, they in, in a mid-season, in, in a mid-series, they are pitching a product, which is a breakfast cereal. And the way they're marketing it is bacon and eggs take time, but breakfast cereal is instant. And at that moment, it clicked for me. 
America's obsession with instant everything. It's instant gratification. Now, you know, unless you are, I don't really know what your job would have to be that you can't take, you know, how long does it take to make bacon and eggs? Right, a nice breakfast. But all of us, and you know, I know, I don't eat meat, but I know people who love bacon and eggs. You know, as we say in America, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which I don't agree with, but that's another podcast. <laughs> um, it's another episode. Another episode. But so, okay, so you don't have seven minutes to give yourself in the morning to have this most important meal of the day to set your day right. So now it's instant. And then I started thinking about Senka. Right, Senka instant coffee, which I don't know if you've ever had it. It's it's like drinking gravel with milk. It's it's oh, not good. It's, it's instant coffee, right? It's not, but the obsession with instant. So Amazon, Hinge, uh, Tinder, Uber, Uber Eats, everything is now instant, and so it only works in one place, in digital, if you want to call it reality, which is also not reality, right? Let's call it digital, not, not reality. Let's call it digital experience. But that's not call it reality. That's not real. Right. But we now think it is. And so in real world, as we discussed before, things take time to develop. Um, when I joined uh, the Digital Wellness Collective, at first I was like, what is the purpose of this? I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't, you know, but you know what? I am. It just took time. Right, it took time to introduce myself to the community, to figure out who Nina was, the amazing concept and you know, the, the, this thing that she has built. And then who are the members of the community? Who are some of the people that I very much align with and some people that I'm not aligned with at all, but I'm so curious and knowing it. All right. it takes time, nothing. So nothing is instant, but we now live in a world where if I don't get an instant response, I'm upset. Right. And so it's kind of like a non-starter. It's, it's absolutely true. There's this tendency to want things super quick and to get whatever we want at, as soon as possible with very little work. But then we don't, you know, I mean, we know about things we get with little work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big cook and I didn't have gas for six months. So I had to eat um, takeout food. They're like, oh, it's so great eating out in New York City. It isn't, not if you have to eat every meal as a takeout. And I have to say something. There's something amazing about making food, uh, eating food that you yourself make. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think I'm a pretty good cook. But even when it doesn't come out just the way I wanted it to, it still tastes really good. Yeah. There's that human quality. I mean, I made it, I, I bought it, I made it, I slaved over it, and now I eat it and I love it. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's these little, you know, I think technology is here to stay. I don't want it to go away. Um, you know, I don't know if my life is dependent on it. I think obviously it's made the world much more connected um, in a specific way. Right. I, um, I know a lot of people talk about the importance of FaceTime with people that live overseas. I think FaceTime and Internet is so important for our troops that are, you know, deployed in foreign countries. To Absolutely. Protect, right. So so I understand that the, the, the medical 
access that we have, the news, the uprisings in, in countries where there's no freedom, which has happened because of technology and that we know about it has been unbelievable. But the price in what we're paying for it has been very high and a lot of it has been our kids. Um, you know, a person in America kills themselves every 40 seconds. Wow. And a lot of it is just um, due to loneliness, mental illness, mental health crisis. And I personally think it's because the human system is broken. We need, we need community and we need each other to be able to survive as humans. Um, and so, you know, if you watch Black Mirror, pretty much every episode of Black Mirror, it's, it's devastating. It, it, you know, I, I'm a, so I don't have a TV. Uh, I do have a Netflix account and a tiny little iPad. So I watch a lot of film. I, I love movies. I don't watch any recent new movies because they're all very dystopian, just like much of the TV is, the Ozarks, the Breaking Bad, the um, Black Mirror. But I did watch some of those episodes. You know, when I watch a film or even Mad Men, where I'm so inspired, you know, I'm going to create a campaign, I'm going to dress fun, I'm going to... Watching Black Mirror makes me want to slice my wrist after every episode. Oh, wow. Have you seen it? I haven't yet. So many people have told me I need to see it, and I, I, I just haven't watched, gotten around to watching it yet. A lot of it uh, talks, it just shows what this will be like in 10, 20 years, and it's devastating. I mean, look at what's happening in China. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. Asia in general, uh, they have over 430, uh, 400 treatment facilities across the continent. Their addiction is much higher than ours. So it's also, you know, they got rid of a lot of girls, right? Because they've won child policy. Everybody wants boys. Right. So right. now they have these addicted boys that are all gaming. Oh, man. So, you know, I think so there's a lot of people that are doing what I'm doing, and I'm interested in kind of uniting and building a bigger concept of my project because the the treatment the solution to this is, is kind of the same you have to disconnect to reconnect and then you have to find balance within how you use technology again it's the same thing as food you know we all love cake but if you ate cake three times a day you die of diabetes yeah absolutely so this is the same thing you know, another thing that I think is interesting when we talk about sleep is the brain has to rest, right? And so now our brain, it's always working. That's where daydreaming and boredom become very important. It's not just about sitting there mindlessly. It's literally letting your brain rest. We are not made to think like a computer. Our thought process is much more thought out. It's right. It's like we weigh things out pros cons how does this benefit me does it make sense to do this does it not what you know and so all of that is lost and i actually think that's the political uh, discourse that we have right now i don't think it's about parties i think it's about an ability to just listen it's absolutely true right it's so, so true yeah you, you just have to listen and then oh okay that's so interesting i have a very different view do you want to hear mine yes sure great but it doesn't work. People, the, our attention span is so short, nobody wants to listen. So people ask direct questions like, 
whose side are you on? Who did you, right? And so nothing is black and white. Um, there's so much to our choices. And to the extent that we want instant everything, there's not a space to carve out for these type of dialogues and interactions. So if I had to predict in the next couple of years, I think there's gonna be a big push in how we use technology. I would like to start addressing it on a um, corporate level. Yeah. I think digital wellness is gonna become a huge part of um, employee engagement. Um, I also think that if you work for a company and you go into work at nine, and you work till six or seven with an hour for lunch, but you spend three or four of those hours on the phone. I don't know if that works. So I think companies are gonna have to, are gonna want to augment the way they run business. So let's say you work from nine to one, no phone in sight, and then go home. Because I need you working. I don't need you at work multitasking, which doesn't work. <laughs> yes, yes. You're a writer, you blog. Right, right. It takes me days to content to find what I want to say in thought and then sit down and write it and edit it. I'm not multitasking. It's virtually, I can't start, stop, start, stop, stop. It, it really impedes my creativity. So I think this will be very relevant in how we work. I think it's going to be, schools are going to be changing. I think the way we date and relate to each other, I hope it changes. You know, I hope people start being, that's another thing that I remember, um, you know, in the early 2000s, the way you'd meet people in New York is on the street, you know, because it's New York City, it's very vibrant. I was a broker on Park Avenue in these fancy suits. You'd literally, I could literally go to lunch, like, oh my, look at that gorgeous guy. And he turns around and that's it, you have a date. Yeah. I notice now, nobody's looking. Huh. Nobody's, everybody is lost in their phones with the stupid earbuds. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. are so dangerous, right? Yeah. In the city, you can't hear the cars, you can't hear upcoming traffic, you're crossing the street with your phone in your face. So these are all things that I think we're going to have to change. And don't even get me started on texting and driving. Oh, boy. I don't know if you see it through the city when I walk sometimes and the cars are not moving and, and they're like, you know, they're like full into it. People don't even hide it. Um, so it's fine if you're driving in the city at 20 miles per hour, although you don't want to get hit by anybody at 20 miles per hour. But if you're on a highway and you're checking your text messages and you clip somebody at 40, 50 miles per hour, that's not, um, that's, that's death. So. Um, you know, to the extent we don't want people to drink and drive, I don't know why we want people to text and drive. So it's all these things where I, I, I think this is why what I, you know, I think it's lifestyle change. I think it's learning new habits. I think it's relearning how to be with yourself and how to be part of a community. And if you're not relearning, you're growing it. You are reconnecting you're literally reimagining what life would be like in um as they call it legacy world versus digital world right 
Oh man, I, I could I could talk to you for several more hours on you, but unfortunately we're running out of time. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I really appreciate you not only coming on the show, but I also really appreciate you bringing your passion for this important topic for digital wellness, for really, as you just mentioned, changing our lifestyles in order to improve our lives, allowing ourselves to be kind to ourselves and therefore be able to be kind to others. And I, I love what you're doing with Project B as well. So thank you so much for coming out on the show. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again. Before we head out, I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners maybe some information as to where they could find out more about you and your work. Sure. Um, they can go to projectb.com. Uh, my site is Anya Pechko, A-N-Y-A-P-E-C-H-K-O. Dot com. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, which app I don't have. Um, so, you know, I'm around. I'm all about human contact and human connection. So this is this has been just as amazing for me as it's been for you. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes too. So for our listeners out there, just scroll down in the show notes. You'll be able to see all of Anya's great links. One last question for you. What is your definition of a deep, meaningful relationship? You know, I'll answer this question with this. Um, I think deep, meaningful relationship is when you're with somebody who you consistently want to dine with. Um, it's, 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 where, it's where you don't have needs to be anywhere else. And I think our relationships have very, very much suffered um, because of uh, technology. My relationship, which is how I started the project, suffered because of it. So I'm a perfect example of it. So um, I think it's work. I think it's empathy. I think it's passion. I think it's compassion. And I think it's forgiveness. I think it's time and um, it's, it's, it's commitment and that's one of the things that I want the world to see that great deep meaningful relationships take a very long time to build they're not instantaneous they just can never be so you know I think it's commitment and passion and um, common goals and interest and adventure great well we'll leave our listeners with that so Anya thank you so much again thank you Anya Hetchko, everybody. Wow, I really enjoyed this conversation with Anya. What's really great about her is that she is super succinct in the way that she talks about these issues, in the way that she talks about the importance of digital wellness. So I hope that this episode really resonated with you and really allows you to think about your own relationship with technology and what you can do to improve that relationship and therefore improve the relationships to others as well as your relationship to yourself. So Anya, thank you so much again for coming out on the show. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend, subscribe, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. Also, if you have the Anchor app, call in and leave me a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. This voicemail may be released in a future episode of Ships. So I would love to hear your thoughts, your comments, your questions on to how I could improve this podcast for you all. 
you also have the opportunity to support this podcast. Supporting this podcast will allow me to continue producing amazing episodes with insightful messages and inspiring guests. So if you're interested in supporting this show, just head on over to the show notes, scroll down and click the link provided. Also, if you're interested in having me as a speaker at your upcoming event, please feel free to head on over to patmacandrew.com and contact me there. I enjoy speaking at a wide variety of events, whether they're conferences, your school events, or your corporate organizations. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Ships. I always have a great time talking about these things, and I really appreciate all of you tuning in. So thank you so much, and I will catch you all in the next episode.